you'll grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Genesis 31 this morning. And I can tell you, I'm a, I'm a few weeks ahead on my sermons, which I try to get there and, and stay ahead a little bit, just, uh, just so if something comes up, I, I don't get really behind. And I can tell you, I, I like the direction that the Lord has taken us. I mean, this, it goes straight from, from Jacob into his family and all the things that happen. And the, the Lord has uh, definitely some things to teach us and to tell us in the upcoming weeks. And I'm praying uh, for you guys as we go into, into that. So uh, Genesis 31 this morning. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all the wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Now, as we have learned, Laban is for Laban, right? I mean, Laban is, is a piece of work. I don't know if you've ever known somebody like that. They're always out for themselves. They're always looking for themselves. They don't care about anybody else. It's all about them. You might remember last time Jacob is saying that, you know, I've worked for you for a long time and it's time for me to go back home. I I want to go back to my homeland and work for me and my family because everything I've done has been for you and your family. And I, you know, I need a a heritage for my children and so forth. And, And Laban came and said, okay, okay, okay. I get it. Just work a little bit longer for me. He's trying to manipulate him. Uh, you know, I'll give you some of my flock, just stay. So six years have passed since the Lord told Jacob to leave and go back to uh, the land of your, uh, you know, the land of, of Abraham and so forth. Six years. I wonder how many times this happens for us. We feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do something, you know, in our life or whatever, and we just kind of piddle around. We just, one thing after another kind of gets in the way of that, you know. Uh, we, you know we feel that, but, the, you know, a pay raise or something else kind of keeps us around. And Jacob stayed, and his flocks at this time increased because the Lord's uh, increased his flocks, and, and Laban's decreased, and Laban's sons were not happy about this at all. Laban's sons were very upset, and Jacob kind of got wind of it. Verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I'll be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude uh, towards me is not what it was before, but the Lord of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all of my strength, yet your father's cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed me or allowed him to harm me. Now, this is quite funny because Jacob's getting upset that Laban was doing the same thing that he had done earlier to his brothers. He's getting upset that, you know, he feels like Laban is stealing his inheritance, and that's exactly what he did to Esau. It's almost like, you know, you look at somebody else and go, man, it's amazing how bad my sins look when you're committing them, okay? You know, my sins are my sins, and they're okay, but when you do the same thing, oh my gosh, I mean, come on. That's the kind of the attitude here. He called both his wives out to the field, basically so no one could hear him. 
Now, I want to bring up the Code of Hammurabi again, because again, this would have been the, the kind of the, the natural law at the time and so forth, and the common law. And Jacob, part of that law was you couldn't take the wives away from their father unless the father had agreed to it. And Laban, you know, he kept changing the rules over time with Jacob working for him. Jacob's working diligently. At least we, we know he was a deceiver and we know he did things for himself. You know, Jacob did. But at least he, he was a hard worker. You know, he had a job to do. He did the job. So Laban keeps changing the rules. And in verse 8 it says, If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the street ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore street young. So God had taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. And this all began, we talked about that, that weird thing in last chapter and so forth where the flocks were separated and all that kind of stuff. But at first, Laban thought this was great, great idea, but God you know, intervened and blessed Jacob's flocks and not Laban's. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. And this is what we talked about last time. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted, for I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. So basically, God was intervening, and basically, you know, God had told him, I'm going to bless your future. So we see that God is doing that to Jacob and for Jacob. Verse 13, I'm now the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So again, it has been 20, 20 years since Jacob has been at Bethel. 20 years since he had, he had basically, you know, kind of snookered his, his brother and his dad and took the birthright blessing and so forth. That he would have got anyway if he would have let God do how God th- does things. But instead he, he stole it from him. So Esau wanted to kill him. So he stayed in 20 years. He stayed in Haran. And now God says, remember me? Remember who I was? Remember who I am? Time for you to go back to where your inheritance is. I made a covenant to you. I made a covenant to your family. And it's time for you to do that. And it's time for you to stop playing around over here. Stop living where you're not trusting me in this life. I told you I'd protect you. I told you I'd provide you. You tricked Esau and you ran. It's time for you to stop all of that. And it's time for you to go back to Bethel where you recognized who I was in your life. I think the Lord needs to tell some of us some of of those words. That we need to go back in a sense and remember who the Lord is, where God has done some certain things in our past where we can go back and go, okay, I recognize God right here. Maybe I need to go back to that and go, okay, God, I'm back right here. Or maybe we've ran, you know, ran from some of the things that we've done in our past, ran from them and, and never really dealt with them. And you've kind of stayed in your same level of relationship with the Lord because you've ignored that. God wants us to go back to the calling in our life. God has still blessed Jacob, even though he's not where he should be. And the Lord does that with us also. We talked about that last week, how the Lord will will even bless us to try to get us to come back to him, which is kind of in our thinking, you know, why would we ever do that? If a child is really screwing up, we're not going to bless them, are we? 
And here our Father in heaven sometimes blesses us just because we're his children. But maybe it's time for us to come back to where the Lord wants us to be. Verse 14, it says, Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share of the inheritance of our father's estate? Does, not, uh, does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children, so do whatever God has told you. Now this is huge. This is a cultural thing. Laban made Jacob work for both of the daughters, uh, you know, a little bit longer than normal, 14 years total is a huge amount of time uh, to do something like that in that culture, you know, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, but to go 14 years was huge, um, and this was, uh, this was the dowry. A dowry is like a life insurance for, uh, for the woman uh, in this society. A dowry would be paid, you know, a fiddler on the roof, the dowry, the whole thing, you and the Jewish culture, okay, there's always a dowry there. Basically, what that helped with is if the old man croaked at a young age, you know, passed away at a young age, the woman would be taken care of because the father kept the dowry for her. If the, if the guy decided, I'm, I don't love this woman anymore and got a divorce, the woman had something to fall back on to live on during that time. But what had happened here is Laban had used it all up. So he's ba basically the, the, the daughters are saying, he treated us like slaves, not like daughters. He sold us, and then he spent all the money on himself. So they're saying, God has surely blessed you, Jacob. We see that. Do what you think is right. Now here's some, some principles uh, that we can, can take out of this. To help us make certain decisions in life. First of all, we have to have a definite conviction in our heart that God wants us. Or God wants to, to take a, a, us to, you know, take a certain action in our life. Jacob felt it was time to go. God had told him it was time to go. If we're in a big decision, we have to go, okay, is this God or is this my stomach being upset? You know, I ate bad pizza last night. Is this really God or is it something else? We have to figure that out. Secondly, our circumstances you know, necessitate change are an important decision. Things have changed. They're not how they used to be. Maybe we need to reevaluate a few things. That's what Jacob's doing here. The attitudes have changed. Laban used to treat Jacob really well, and now he just, you know, not, he's very hostile. Third, a word from God through Scripture or another mature believer. Now, Jacob didn't have the, the, the history of the scriptures like we do. We can look back and so forth. So if our actions go against the word of God, we know that our actions are sinful. Our actions are not godly. Or we go to another mature believer and say, this is what's going on in our life. What do you think? Give me some, some advice here. But, but we, you know, it's always backed up by scripture. It never goes against it. And it will confirm what we're feeling or not. And, you know, fourthly, a confirmation from our spouse you know, having exact the same heart on, the, on an issue, it's not essential, but it's really helpful for the, for the relationship. It's really helpful for the decision-making process. Now, this doesn't work for every decision, but big decisions, that, you know, that should be there. It's the way God can, can confirm, uh, you know, a circumstance or decision that we have to make. Verse 17 then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels. 
And he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with the goods he had accumulated in Paddan Aram, to go to his uh, to uh, to go to his father's uh, father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household's gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Armenian, by not telling him he was running away. So Jacob knew that if I go to, if I go to the girl's dad's and I go, hey, by the way, we're moving, it was going to cause all sorts of issues. And Jacob just didn't want to deal with those issues. So again, he's kind of running away again. So he just left sometime during the shearing time. Now, this is a huge event for everyone. Everyone is involved in shearing time. Everyone would be involved in harvest time from the, you know, the little bitty ones all the way up, okay? Everybody worked. That's why you had children, so you could work them to death, okay? I'm just, you know. But, you know, this is logical from a human standpoint. This is practical from that viewpoint because, you know, because, you know, taking off, you don't have to deal with those issues, but again, he's taking God out of the consideration. God said to go back. So certainly God's going to go before you. God's going to take care of those situations, right? If God's clearly told you to go do something, then why are you trying to manipulate it? It's the same thing he did with Esau and the birthright. God told him to go, so God was going to watch over him, but he still ran. Verse 21, it says, So he fled with, with all he had, crossed the Euphrates River, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. Now, Gilead was, was about 300 miles away, and if you do the calculations here, there's a couple of, uh, you know, it says three days and so many days and all that. They're going about 30 miles a day. Again, this is much faster than normal. You got women, you got children, you got flocks and all that. You know, the most you could go would be about 20 miles a day, so he's, he's hoofing it. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. Remember when he first went to Bethel, how many miles did he go? A little over 40 miles to Bethel. I mean, he, when he runs, he runs. He's dedicated to do this. So, you know, so he's, he's running there. And verse 22, it says, On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill, uh, caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Armenian in a dream that night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. When God tells you to be careful or to lay off of something, you better do it, okay? And God is warning him. Laban respects Jacob's God, at least on this, okay? Verse 25, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You deceived me. You carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? So we kind of see that old, you know, common code, the common law at the time. And it goes on. Why didn't you tell me so I could spend you? Uh, I love this. So I could send you away with joy and singing, with music and trumpets and harps. We're just going to have a big old party. You, you didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. I love this. You know, I mean, come on. Uh, why did you run off secretly and deceive me? <laughs> You've done a foolish thing. All Laban is doing is basically laying a huge guilt trip on him right here. You know, we could have had a party. Yeah. Verse 29, I have the power to harm you, but last night God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. 
Now you've gone off because you've longed to return to your father's household. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, that person shall not live in the presence of our relatives. See for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. Now let me say up front, if you can steal someone's gods, what kind of god are they? You know what I'm saying? If you can steal the all-powerful God, then I I dare say they're not really a God at all. Uh, Man, these would have been like small carved idols. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Gladiator. Um, you know, and, and he's got those little, little you know, wooden pieces that he would pray to. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. They, they would be little carved uh, uh, pieces and, and so forth. Now, why did Rachel take them? Well, there's several possibilities here. The Newsy tablets give an insight to this. Uh, first off, there's a, a, the possession of the family god, uh, the little trinkets, strengthen your right to the inheritance they basically said well i I have the gods i'm the one in control i get the inheritance almost like title deeds secondly laban used the them for divination as we talked about earlier where he tried to find out man why is jacob so blessed you know he he did the whole divination uh, divination however you say it thing and all that uh, in other words consulting the spirits and all he would have used these um and now Demons do have some power, don't, don't get me wrong on that. Uh, it's not all fake, but um, th- this is why God says stay away from all that kind of stuff. Uh, he warned um, Saul and, and others not to even go there. So the whole, you know, consulting the calendar and all, stay away from all that, you know. What is my horoscope today? Or what does my name say about, you know, and all these different things. That you can do, especially with Facebook, Ugh, you know. Every time I see someone go, oh, this said that, I just, I just want to strangle them. You know what I mean? Uh, especially when I know they're a Christian. I'm just like, you've been sitting in church for how long? And you're still doing that? Mm, okay. Anyway, so uh, a third reason. She could have just took them out of spite. She's mad at her dad. So she could have just stolen them, you know. The law of the region said if you steal them, you could actually kill the person. This is why Jacob said, well, if you find the idols... Kill the person, because that was the common law of the time. So verse 33, it says, So Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants, but he found nothing. And I'm sure he destroyed them along the way. You know what I'm saying? After he came out of uh, Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, don't be angry, my Lord. I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So, I, so he searched, but he could not find the household gods. Now, this was the last straw for Jacob, because you can understand Jacob doesn't know what she did. So you could understand why he would be upset after 20 years of dealing with this man that's even worse deceiver than he was. He has had it. You've torn up all my tents. And it says in verse 36, Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? How have I wronged you that you hunt me down? 
Now that you've searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine, and let me be the judge between the two of us. I've been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried. Now, this is a huge statement. Basically, he's saying, I've watched over your animals, and I took so good care of these. I, I worked diligently. I worked hard that not even one of them miscarried. Nor have I eaten rams from your flock. Now, it would be common for the, the one that's out there in the field that they, ever so often they would take one of the rams, they would kill one of the rams because that would be their meal while they're out there. He didn't even do that. Verse 39, it says, I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. In other words, he would have been on, on the hook for all those that, that he had lost to wild animals, but he paid for those. So he, you know, I mean, he was, it was kind of weird, weird personality. Here he's a deceiver, yet he has morals on this other side of, of working hard, working diligently, and, and so forth here. Um, and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. Basically saying, you took advantage of me. Verse 40, it says, this was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fred, uh, fled from my eyes. It was like this, for 20 years, I was with your household. I worked for 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Basically saying, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Verse 43, Laban answered uh, uh, Jacob. The women, uh, the women are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine, yet what can I do today that makes these daughters, uh, about these daughters of mine, and what about the children they have borne? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let's serve, uh, let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they, uh, so they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it, um, yeah, that name. He called it an area. And, Jake, and Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. This is why it's called Galid. It, is, it's also, it was also called Mizpah, but because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. Now, many people have taken this out of context, and this is the danger of taking verses uh, from the Bible out of context you know, they make little trinkets and, you know, they make a heart and they cut it in half and the, it would have on the words on it, uh, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we're away from each other. And, oh, it's so sweet. And I'll give my honey one half or my best friend one half and I'll keep the other. That's totally out of context. Wonderful thought, out of context. It's not a declaration of love. It's called a threat, okay? This is why you need to know what you're talking about when you're dealing with the Word of God. This is that God would curse them if they stepped out of line. Verse 50, it says, If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take my, any, any wives beside my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. 
Laban also said to Jacob, here is this heap and here's this pillar I've set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not, not go past this heap to your side to harm you and you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side and harm me. Basically, but if you cross it, watch out. I dare you, step over, come on, come on, step over. You know, it's kind of that attitude. Verse 53, may the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of your father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren, his daughters, and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. Chapter 32, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named the place Mahananam. Now it's interesting. Only a few times in the Bible are people not afraid of angels. If you ever read about angels in the Bible, I'm talking about like 95% of the time, they're very afraid. So when you go out there and somebody say, oh, I saw an angel, you'd be very leery of that, okay? Only a few times have they ever shown up and people, you know, people were not afraid. This happens to be one of them. But if somebody goes, oh, wow, look at the angels, no, a bunch of bull most of the time, okay? Verse 3, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I've been staying with Laban. And have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. He's trying to smooth things over. 20 years ago, he stole, stole the birthright. Esau wanted to kill him. He doesn't want to go back into that same situation. Verse 6, when the messengers returned to Jacob... They said, we went to your brother Esau, and he is now coming to meet you. 400 men are with him. <laughs> just 400 men, no big deal. You know, they're just coming, you know. In great fear and distress, I bet. I'm sure he was stressed. I'm sure he had fear. 20 years ago, he stole it from Esau. Esau wanted to kill him. And it's interesting, his reaction. He doesn't take a break. Jacob's wheels are always turning. He's always thinking. He's one of those guys. You know, he's like the car salesman in a sense. You know, his mind's always going, always scheming. It said that Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, that group is uh, the group that is left may escape. And after, you know, he kind of provides a safety net in a sense, and then he prays. Uh, verse 9, then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan. Now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from my hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come back and attack me, and also the mother of my children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sands of the sea, which cannot be counted. Now, this is a great prayer. Look at what you have done, God. 
He basically says, I've, I've prospered. You've blessed me. Look at all the stuff that you've done, God. And it shows that his faith has, <laughs> has grown a little. He recognizes that God is the one who has blessed him and taken care of him. Maybe working for Laban has helped him mature a little bit and seeing somebody else that's just as deceiving as him, maybe that's matured him a little bit. He recognizes a bunch of things that the Lord has done all before asking for something. In Psalms 100 verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And this is what Jacob is doing. He's giving thanks to God. He's saying, Lord, I am not worthy. You have taken care of me when I haven't been worthy of that. And after praise, he finally gets around to ask God for something. He says, protect me, Lord. This is very healthy. This is how we should be praying. Now, God doesn't need to be reminded of his promise, does he? Well, God, you said you were going to bless me. You said you are going to... No, no, this is probably more for Jacob than for God, you know? You pray these things knowing that God didn't forget, but you're almost reminding yourself. If God has promised something, we know it is his will. So we have to remind ourselves. I try to be, you know, I try to be smart with my son. If my son asked me to do something and I say yes, I try to do it, okay? I will make... I would say every effort, but almost every effort, because I'm not perfect. Circumstances change certain things, you know, because I'm not God, but I try. So when he asks again, I say, well, what did I say? Yes. Well, then don't ask again. It's really him hoping that I didn't forget. You know what I mean? And that's how, you know, Jacob, that's what God is, what Jacob is doing with the Lord here. But God will always do what he says he will do, unlike me. So I'm just saying, okay. Verse 13, he spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels, with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you, what do you uh, who do you belong to, and where are you going, and who owns these animals in front of you? And then you are to say, These belong to your servant Jacob. They're a gift. Sent to my Lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second and the third and all the others who followed with the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him, and to be sure your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I'm sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went out ahead of him, but he himself slept the night in the camp. So you get the idea. He's trying to soften up Esau's heart here. He, you know, he, it was a big wrong he did. So over and over, Esau's going to run into these animals, and he's going to go, well, who's, what's going on here? And they're going to say, well, these are a gift for you. There are at least 580 animals he is giving him. So Jacob owned thousands of animals here. God has blessed him along the way. So he went with just a staff. 
You remember when he was running away, it was just him. His cloak and a little staff. And he came back a very wealthy man. God has blessed him. Verse 22, it says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford at Jabbok. And Jabbok means he will empty. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And basically, Jacob's, in a sense, preparing his mind set and all that for the next day. Either Esau is going to embrace him or kill him. It's interesting. In solitude, we're going to find out here in a second, is when God speaks with Jacob. When we're around a whole bunch of people, can God speak to us? No. It's like when my son comes up and we're eating donuts and all that, and he tries to talk to me, and I'm trying to talk to other people. I kind of I talk to him, but I don't, my, my attention's not right there on him, you know? But in solitude, would my attention be on him? Well, unless the TV's on. Yeah, of course it would be. I mean, just saying. God wants us to trust him, to be not running around, to be not hiding, to be not deceiving. We need to walk by faith but we fight it because we're afraid. Verse 24, it says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And here we see what, what is called the Christophany, Christ wrestling with Jacob. And, and the word wrestle means to get dusty. In other words, he wrestled him down in the dust. And uh, so they were on the ground wrestling. And before he could raise him in the spirit, God had to wrestle him down. And God has to do that sometimes to us. Before we can be raised up, we've got to be wrestled down. We've got to be brought down. It says, when, when the man saw that he could, uh, could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that the hip uh, was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And this really goes to the tenacity of Jacob here. Um, wow. I mean, this is a, a great question for us. What does God have to do in our lives for us to listen? In a sense, he had to, he had to dislocate his hip, in a sense, or, or whatever. He had, he had to do something to him. He was really stubborn, so God had to apply a little pressure right there. And when we're really stubborn about stuff, we have to watch out. Because God's going to apply some pressure in an area of our life to get our attention. God wants to bless us, but sometimes he has to break us to bless us. you got to understand that. Sometimes we have to be broken to bless us. Psalms 119 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. David understood that brokenness led to obedience in his life. Psalms 51, 7 and 8, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be cleansed. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now we love the first part, right? Cleanse me, wash me white as snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. We don't really pay attention to that part. Sometimes God has to crush us. David was a shepherd, and he knew what he was saying here. Um, if, a, if a little lamb, if you were shepherding and one of your little lambs kept going off on its own, literally you would come and, and bring it back after you've rescued it, and you would take its leg and you would break it. Sounds kind of cruel, right? 
I mean, why would you do that to a little animal? Then you would carry it around your neck. So you know the picture of the, you know, David with the lamb and everything. So, so he's broken the leg. That's why he's carrying it, okay? And he does that for a long time. And finally, when the leg is, is fixed, the lamb is used to being around the shepherd. So the shepherd lets him go and lets him out. And the, and the little lamb doesn't wander off too much, does he? No, he stays around the shepherd. So we think, well, that was cruel to give the little lamb a little pain to not wander away. Well, what should we do? Let it wander away and get eaten by a wolf? You see, sometimes the Lord has to afflict us with a little bit of pain so we can come back to him and then we learn not to wander away so much. Let's stay close to the Lord. God is saying, I don't want you to be out there devoured by the devil. I don't want you to get in a situation where, where it's going to be very hard to bring you back. I want to protect you. And if I've got to inflict a little pain in your life right now, it's really an act of love that God is doing. It goes on and says in verse 25, when Jacob, or when the man saw that he could not overpower him. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so his hip was wrenched, and he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now in Hosea, it tells us in Hosea 12, 3 through 5, that Jacob was a broken man at this point, uh, that he was really pleading with the Lord to bless him. It wasn't coming from a, a, a position of strength or a position of power, like I've got you wrapped up as a wrestler, I got you, you you're going to have to bang the mat a couple of times before I let you go. No, 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 no. He's basically, uh, you know, he, he's, he's basically exhausted and he's pleading with the Lord here. You know, we need to take hold of the Lord and wrestle with him until he does something that we need, basically, is what he's saying. Uh, but at the same time, this is not coming from a name it and claim it type situation, okay? That's a bunch of uh, hoo-ha. Jacob is broken here. We've wrestled all night. Day is here. It's time for Jacob to face his fear. I guarantee if you wrestle with God all night, you're going to be tired out. And that's Jacob at this point. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Now, does the Lord know his name? Yeah, he's just wanting Jacob to, to, to remind himself, oh yeah, I'm the deceiver. Yeah, I'm the screw up. Yeah, that, that's who I am. The man uh, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Levites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. So Jacob met God at Bethel here, but he didn't surrender to, to God at all until he came back. Israel means governed or controlled by God. 
You know, it's kind of interesting the Jews adopted a little practice. It's not necessarily a biblical one. It wasn't a, you know, a command from God. They just recognized what God did so they don't eat that little part of the, of the animals and so forth. But I, I like it for a reason. Every time they'd take an animal, and, you know, we, we go down to the grocery store and get our animal. I mean, our food. You know, yeah, get my point? But every time they would go out and they would butcher an animal, and get it ready for, to feed the family, they wouldn't eat that little part. It was a constant reminder because guess what? We eat food every day, don't we? At least I do. Okay, I'm just saying. We eat food every day. So they would re- be reminded day after day after day, God is involved in our lives. This is a good reminder for us. This was a turning point for Jacob. He would become stronger now, stronger in faith. And the Lord says, when I am weak, talking about man, when man is weak, when, when I am weak, who is strong? The Lord is strong. When we're weak, Jacob finally got to a point where he we, was weakened down. He was wrestled down to a point where he finally recognized God. So again, the question is, What does God have to wrestle down in your life for you to finally recognize who he is that you can get strength from him? That's a good question. So do you want to wrestle all night? Or do you just want to wrestle for a good 10 minutes or a couple hours? That all depends on you. That depends on your reaction when when you come to the Lord. Are you really going to hold on to something and and just, no, I'm not going to let this go So the Lord has to wrestle with you for a long time about it. And he may have to kind of tweak you. He may have to injure you in a sense. He may have to break that leg in a sense in your life for you to finally stare around him. Now, the better thing is to what? Come to the Lord early. Better thing is not to wrestle that long. But I guarantee we probably all have something in our life that the Lord's sitting there going, I've been wrestling a long time with you. I don't want to injure you, but guess what? gonna have to Alan I'm gonna have to insert your name in there so I'd say let's recognize those things before the Lord gets to that point so that's where we're gonna end today so why don't we uh, stand and pray as Joshua and the worship team comes and finishes us up with a song and we'll go enjoy some soups and some desserts and and uh, a little competition between one another so let's pray Lord we thank you for examples like Jacob in the Bible somebody who uh did not live the best life that you still chose to bless. That there was points in his life that you would have you would have dared say, man, I don't even know if they're a follower of the Lord. Yet, Lord, you choose your people and you choose to bless us. I pray that we don't uh, follow his example and wrestle so much with you, Lord, that we, we allow you to come into our life, that we recognize you before we get to that point. But Lord, I pray that when you do have to to tweak us, you do have to break a leg, you do have to work with a socket, you do have to deal with us in a certain area that you be gentle. And that we may recognize your gentleness in the difficulty of whatever life situation that is. That you're just doing it to draw us back to you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may you recognize him in your life this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.